Everyone, we are here. Welcome to the Brazilian Dragon Podcast. We are here for the first episode of Si Se Puede, our conversation and interview series about Latine and Hispanic representation in American film and television. Now, today I'm super excited to bring you my first interview. It is with one of my all-time favorite Survivor players, Abby Maria Gomez. She is the Brazilian Dragon. If you've watched Survivor, she said that on one of the episodes in Survivor Philippines. And me, I chose to use that title as my own so i rudely stole it from her but don't worry we'll get some lawyers involved we'll get some royalties negotiated for her um when this podcast hopefully blows up one day and i get some money off of it but until then this is just a passion project and i'm super grateful that abby maria chose to be my first interview guest now abby maria was almost on survivor for survivor token cheese and we talk a little bit about that but it took until survivor philippines in 2012 for abby maria to actually play the game she was in the majority alliance on that season until the final nine when one of her allies flipped on the alliance, sending one of her closest allies, artists home to the jury. From then, she became a huge underdog. She even won immunity at the final seven, granting herself safety through the final six. But her fight didn't stop there. She made it to day 36 when she was voted out in fifth place. On that season, she was the only Latina castaway, and she also represented immigrants as well as the entire country of Brazil. She dealt with a lot of adversity in the Philippines. Multiple cast members often struggle to connect or understand her. English is not her first language. She was an ESL player, one of the few that Survivor has ever had. The topic of cultural dissonance was prevalent throughout her arc. She became the villain of the season because a lot of the American castaways didn't understand her and were unable to connect to her. And there was a dissonance. And even the viewers felt that. So she became the villain of the season. But the villains have more fun, right? And with that said... In 2015, when there was a second chance season with a fan vote, the audience realized they needed Abby Maria on our TVs once again. She was one of the 10 women selected to play in Cambodia, season 31 of Second Chance. Uh, she was one of two Latina women that season. Monica Padilla was also on that season. Uh, but she only got to experience playing as a Latina by herself because she and Monica, Monica never interacted in that show. From day one, she was already on the outs. She had to fight tooth and nail once again. A bracelet, a missing bracelet, uh, caused Abby to almost be the first one voted out of the season, but she persevered. She went to almost every single tribal council that she was a part of for that game, and she didn't get voted off until the final seven, once again, making it to the penultimate episode of the season. She placed seventh in her second season, fifth in her first season, so she's done very well in her two stints. And these days, Abby Maria is an entrepreneur and a realtor. After her first Survivor stint, she even created Jivodka, which is an acai mixed drink uh, with alcohol. And she mixed her love of entrepreneurship, business, and Brazilian heritage to create this fun beverage. She continues to be a champion of Survivor. She's a super fan. Uh, she's so grateful for her experiences, and we talk about that in this conversation. She takes every experience in her life as a learning lesson, and she likes to learn from every single experience she has, whether it's a good one or a bad one. She definitely grew from the experiences, 
it's been 10 years since her first season and she's grown a lot. She's currently a realtor and she is also about to do this exciting project uh, where we're going to have to show up and support for her. And I'll tell you more about that at the end of the podcast. But for now, I am super excited to have the titular Brazilian dragon herself, Abby Maria Sosa Gomez, as my first guest for this interview series. Here is my conversation with Abby Maria. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined by the lovely Abby Maria Gomez from Survivor Philippines and Survivor Cambodia. Abby, how are you doing today? Hi, Felipe. I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? And thank you for the introduction. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be talking to you. This is a very important project to me, and I'm so glad that you are here on the Brazilian Dragon podcast that transparently was inspired by you and like the title was named after you. So it is an honor to have you here. And I, I hope it's okay so that I stole your name. I'm excited that you named the whole podcast after my soundbite. <laughs> I hope it's okay that I stole it. I think you can borrow it. Okay, I'll borrow it. And then if I ever get money off of this, I'll give you a little portion of it. Oh, you got to give me royalties. We got to talk percentage here and yes. shake hands. We'll get a lawyer involved and we'll iron out the details later. Perfect, perfect. Um, so, uh, Abby, I, obviously, if you're a Survivor fan, you know who you are, but tell the world who you are in case they're not fans of the show Survivor and also a little bit about you outside of the show. All right. So, my name is Abby Maria Gomez. But, well, actually, my full name is Abby Maria Souza Gomez. And I'm going to say my name with the Brazilian pronunciation. As you should. Yeah, Abby Maria Souza Gomez. That's my name. And people in Brazil call me Abby, not Abby. So Abby Maria Souza Gomes is my name. And I'm originally from Goiânia, Goiás, Brazil. Um, I was born in 1999 and I was born very sick. So I, my family considered me a miracle child. So clearly I've been fighting uh, and driven since I was born. Um, I am an immigrant. I came to the United States um, in 2000. Um, I am Latina. A lot of people don't think that Brazilians are Latin, but we are. We are the only country in Latin America that speaks Portuguese rather than Spanish. And for that fact, we as Brazilians feel a little bit that we are outsiders even in South America and Latin America because you know, we were colonized by the Portuguese, not the Spaniards. So, you know, I feel like being Brazilian starts with explaining that fact to begin with, even. Do you so speak Brazilian, Abby? Me. I'm sorry? <laughs> do, do you always get, do you speak Brazilian? Oh, uh, yeah. Do you speak Brazilian? Um, yeah, I am half Brazilian. I speak Spanish. And I'm like, mm. well, actually, we speak Portuguese in Brazil, but... Welcome home, honey. I, I got some history lessons to give you. Yeah. No, and thank you for acknowledging that. That's like something, I mean, up until recently, I think it was solely called Hispanic Heritage Month. A couple of years ago, I started noticing that people were calling it Latino or Latinx Heritage Month. And that made me feel more included in the conversations as someone who's from Brazil and not 
one of these other Latin American countries. So yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because even like when I immigrated here back in 2000, uh, you know, like the boxes, even when I was trying to, you know, when I was going for my green card citizenship or going to the hospital or university whatsoever, you know, there's a little box that they want you to like check. And I never knew which box to check because I'm not Hispanic, I'm Latina, um, you know? And then it's like, I'm not white, but I look kind of white, but my mom is half black and my dad is white. So it's just like, it's these boxes, they're very confusing. They really are. And I'm glad that there's like more options now, but even still, sometimes I feel when they don't have enough options, I'm like, wait, but what do I put in? Cause right. I know I'm white looking and, but I also identify with Latino culture. My yeah. dad's part Middle Eastern. So it's like very confusing. Very confusing. Yeah, I know our uh, culture in Brazil and our background is just so mixed. I mean, people don't know, but we have so many people that immigrated from to Brazil from Lebanon. And one of my favorite foods in Brazil is like Lebanese, you know, Mediterranean yeah, kibi. food. Kibi. I love kibi. I love yeah. queijo, uh, queijo I mean, Syrian foods too. So it's like our culture is so deep. There is so much to our culture, you know? And then I just wanted to give you an example. It just happened to me the other day. Uh, you know, I'm doing therapy now. And I was looking at my profile um, that they sent me from the hospital. And then they have me there as Caucasian. And I'm like, um, I think you guys have to correct this because I'm not Caucasian. I'm actually Latina. I'm not Hispanic, but I'm Latina. So they're like, oh, okay, okay, we'll, we'll fix that. I'm like, all right, thanks. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very interesting, but also like complicated and sometimes frustrating to be in this country and like figure out what your identity means. Like for me personally, I grew up in a very white suburban town in the Boston area. Um, so I didn't know where I belonged because I felt like I wasn't white, but I grew up with all these white people. So I was trying to figure out what I, because my culture was different than their culture, going right. even to their houses, my friends' houses. And I was just very, uh, had this like internal crisis at times growing up that I didn't realize was so deeply rooted with uh, being Latino until I got older. Yeah, it's the whole, you know, like when you're growing up and when you're in your formative years, it's just so um, interesting that, you know, being able to identify yourself with something is so needed. And for me, it's always like I've been in search for this identity because, you know, I was born in a biracial family on top of it in Brazil. And then my mom is brown and I was born very fair. So people would question you know, if my mom and I were related, you got to a point that my mom would be like, it was a C-section. Do you want to see this car? Because people thought she was not my mom. And and so I feel like, you know, it's like, Jesus Christ, I really was born to just, uh, you know, but, but prove who, who I am as a human. And it's very frustrating. And it shouldn't, like, people should just believe people when they say they're part of this minority group or, like, believe people with their experiences. But that's not the world we live in, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but, um, and yeah. you mentioned you were a, f oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, no, but I'm very happy about this whole podcast because we're going to have to, like, you know, like you said in the beginning, uh, wrinkle the, no, iron the wrinkles. They're, like, I'm thinking in Portuguese and I'm like, wrinkle the irons. No, in, in English, you'll say, uh, iron the wrinkles. <laughs> yes. 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 We're going to, we're going to recontextualize what it means to be Latino, especially in the context of American TV and movies. And 
You mentioned that you were a fighter from your earliest days. I was actually watching your Ponderosa from Cambodia. I was watching some clips to prepare for this interview. And I didn't remember that you uh, had to have multiple blood transfusions before you even won. And that was like yeah. a part of your story that I feel like wasn't really highlighted on the show. And if I hadn't rewatched that Ponderosa, I wouldn't have even remembered that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, I'm not going to be... Uh, a victim here because that's not I'm not asking for pity from anybody um, so I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the producers and the network uh, you know everybody's just doing the best they can with their jobs and I don't think that there is em enough time for them to just it's, it's not you know like I've been learning a lot through therapy that's usually not about us and it's like 20 other castaways so they have to highlight everybody you know so who knows one day i can win something and then hopefully they'll highlight my best moments and they're gonna be interested in digging through our uh, culture a little deeper you know i would hope so true uh but like you were fighting from your earliest days on the show uh and we can talk more about your experience but i remember you tore uh your acl in the first day of philippines and then you had to fight through that pain all the way until you were voted out in fifth place uh, you were such a queen. I was rewatching clips of your season. I was like rewatching it. Obviously, you were always the hero to me. But I think in 2022, you would be like perceived differently than you were 10 years ago when the season aired. I hundred and ten and a million percent agree with you. If it was 2022, I don't think they would have showed. Denise saying it was the culture of Abby. I don't think they would have shown her saying, "Oh my gosh, I want to vomit." when I win a challenge, you know, uh, I don't think that would have been um, portrayed because it's definitely not kind. And I think that we're leaning more towards kindness now uh, that we're in 2022. It was very difficult, it was very hard. Yes, I tore my ACL day one uh, in, in the marooning uh, when I had, you know, 60 seconds to grab everything that I could in that big vessel um, when I went running for the firewood when I jumped and landed my knee I thought I had twisted my knee I hadn't I didn't even know what an ACL was to be honest with you and you know one thing that I knew about Survivor is that you can't show weakness so I was trying to be strong and brave but you know it was definitely uh, translated into a villain I guess and when I came back to the US and I started actually watching the season, I was shocked because, you know, I thought in my little mind that they're gonna make me into a hero because I had survived, you know, 37 days with a torn ACL. Um, so I, you know, and then I was even more shocked when I made it into like a Super Bowl commercial. And that's another thing that I don't think that they would single out in a castaway anymore. Have a whole freaking girl, you know, with like thunderstorms and, you know, lightnings behind her. And then, you know, Jeff Probst saying that I'm the most annoying survivor ever. You know, they survived thunder. They survived the rainstorm. But can they survive Abby Maria, the most annoying castaway ever that broke my heart it sh shed my heart into little pieces I was so sad when I saw that and I don't think that would be kosher in today's um, times anymore 
Yeah, no, I was rewatching a lot of the season. And let me just say for the record, Abby Maria was on the right side of history. There were a lot of people that she uh, had conflict with that uh, if you look at them in 2022, you will be like Abby Maria was the hero of the narrative. And I will just yeah. leave it at that. But- Let's see. I, I agree with you. You know what? And I need to like be proud, you know, and find the goddess within me because I've been definitely tested. <laughs> You really were, and yeah, like the episode where uh, uh, we—I I don't remember if it's the episode you won immunity or the episode before. Where uh, it was probably the episode before, because the whole episode that you won immunity, which for me that was so exciting to see a Brazilian win immunity on my favorite show, especially as like a younger kid. I was 15 at the time when that oh, show was wow. on, so like seeing that was awesome. You were the first Brazilian to be on uh, reality TV, uh, one of these shows. Uh, for me, at least in my experience. So that was always super awesome. But uh, the episode where uh, Jeff Probst and Denise, and they're all like asking you, is it cultural? And rewatching that scene was very like frustrating for me because I do think there is like something cultural. Uh, English is not your first language, as you so- said in that tribal council. But and you're so nervous. Saying, it was, no, I it's was an so ad- nervous. I was so nervous. Yeah. And also you're on TV at the time, but they were like throwing, they were like, it's it's an Abby thing. It's not a cultural thing. And I was like, no, I think there is like cultural obstacles that you have to overcome in addition to English being your second language. Um, yeah, so it felt a lot of that. pressure too, because you go there and you don't want to represent a whole freaking culture, like a Latin culture, and you're putting under so much distress. And actually after the fact, and people were watching it, a lot of Latins were like, offended by what they saw of latin culture through me so i got a lot of hate and a lot of that from the latino community it was awful huh from was it from the latino community from the latin community but it was from all communities or from all people but yeah there was a lot of latin people they were like no you do not represent us like that is not a representation of the the latin community yeah that's so upsetting to me especially because i felt like you were authentic to the brazilian culture i was familiar with like we are loud. We are fun. We are. We sometimes get like heated and passionate. I feel like that's something that I've noticed compared to like American interactions I've had, where it's a lot more passive. Whereas like uh, at least Brazilians and like Latinos are very like passionate when they like are interested in something and discussing something, whether it's like a conflict uh, or like there's there's a lot like less beating around the bush. It's very direct, and I feel like that was something that I really appreciated showing us. But you were also the only. Latina on our on your seasons? I was the only Latina on my season. I'm pretty much uh sure. I'm trying about to think. That. Oh, yeah. I know Monica was on your other season, but you didn't really oh, play yeah, with Monica. She was at on all. second chances on, on Philippines. Uh yeah, I believe I was Sarah is not Latina. Is she does she have any Latino in her? Sorry, I'm not I'm not sure. I know she's biracial as well, like she's you. She's biracial but... as well, but I don't think I don't know if her I don't know, but I, I yeah. think that I was the But even so you didn't interact with her at all. So like you're the only Latina you interacted with on the island. Yes, I was the only Latina that, that I interacted with on the island, for sure, and that they interacted with, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty trailblazer when it comes to that. I, ca- I came with a lot of, of Brazilian fire, that's for sure. A lot of drive, exactly. a lot of fight, it, a lot of passion. Is it true you were almost on token chains and they said they wanted to hold you for another season because you were from the area that they were filming? I've heard 
uh, see, that's another thing about typecasting. I heard different um, feedbacks, but yes, I went through the whole casting process for Token Jeans. And another thing that pisses me off is that people think that I was just picked. I wasn't picked. I went through the whole goddamn casting process that it's pretty much like playing the game. Okay, sure. A friend of mine told the casting person about me, but they found then they added me on Facebook. I went through a whole phone interview. I had to send videos. I had to be flown. I had to be put in a hotel and go through the whole casting process. And I think that's a misconception about uh, reality TV casting. It's like recruiting is people think you just get pulled from like the street and are on the next day you're on the island. But no, you yeah, have to like go through. You also have to get the vaccines. You have to be in the hotel. You have to sit in yeah. front of the producers. Yeah, they kind of yeah. have an idea of what they want, and then you know, but you still gotta fight for it. I mean, for example, yeah, I went through the whole casting process in Token Chains. However, they picked Carolina, you know, instead of me. And we already had gone through like me sending wardrobe and everything. And I heard two versions of the reason why they did not pick me for that season. One version was that the, uh, I think it was like the, 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 the main guy at uh, CBS didn't think I looked Brazilian enough. <laughs> yes and what does that even was, mean like everyone well, because, like you know at the yeah. time i was really with like super blonde highlights yeah you know i was no i know what that means but i'm like that's that's such a stupid statement because is, like, yeah does he yeah. know who giselle bunchen is come on she, and she couldn't be more brazilian she's so proud you know it's just anyway so that's one of the versions that i didn't look brazilian enough um, so they went with somebody that looked more Latin and Carolina, she definitely looks very Latin, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, anyways. Uh, and then the second version that I heard is, it was because of me being from Goiania, which is in the Midwest of Brazil and Tocantins is in the Midwest. But then I was like, that's bullshit because PG is from, isn't she Chinese? Yeah. And but she, she played in China. Yeah. And she played in China, but but she's American and she was born. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so well, also, I like, it wouldn't give you much of an advantage, like in terms of like the game is like about the people you're with. It's not really about the like place you are. It's not like the amazing race where they would have put you in Brazil the whole time. And then you might have an advantage because you speak the language. No, like it's just like that. That is like a weird excuse, I guess. But. Yeah, uh -huh. that's what I heard through the grapevine. Um, so they had me in the database and then fast forward uh, three years. I'm living in LA already. I was working here for BTG Pactual, the Brazilian uh, private equity bank from Rio, Sao Paulo. I had opened uh, an office here for them in Santa Monica. At the time, we had that project for seven months. The project was over and then I was actually uh in santa monica doing a trapeze class when i got a call from lynn spielman and i was just really frustrated with the whole casting process from when i tried for token chings that i told her no and i was kind of feisty about it and i think that me being feisty is what made them really want to fight to get me on the show because they're like okay well we want you now you know it's like it's even casting is like playing the game of survivor like, yeah you know yeah like I've, I've heard stories of people like uh being like uh, i've heard stories where people would say if they're generally a six in this department like if they're generally like say they're a six in intellect they'll put it as a 10 on the paper 
to like try to stand out more and like oh, just interesting yeah. i didn't know that but um yeah. but uh let me so you mentioned that you think that they went to you for your feistiness uh how much do you think being latina like i know they were like looking for their boxes to check but like uh, do you think being Latina both got you on Philippines and then also when they were looking for second chances? It's really you? interesting, right? Because it's all perspective. I think that being Latina, being a woman, you know, I mean, yeah, feistiness, but you know, you could, you could put that in a different con context and, and, and use that as drive, you know? So it all depends on, on the way you look at it and, the, and, and which angle you want to show that personality. So sure, that box that they wanted to, to uh, check um, for some may be seen as assertiveness, drive, but you know, for some people that are not prepared with the culture, then sure, they might look as being feisty. <laughs> Yeah, and that was, like, uh, one of the things that I noticed is, like, for me, like, watching you was probably different than, like, someone who had never interacted with someone who exactly. was Latino or, like, uh, Brazilian. Like, someone from, like, a very white suburban area in maybe the Midwest or, like, some I mean, other area. I mean, I don't want to put anybody in the spot here, but, you know, there were, there were people that couldn't even understand how I could have two passports. So there were castaways that were like, oh, my goodness, how can you have a Brazilian passport and an American passport. Like, how is that possible? And I'm like, wow, I have to explain this to you because yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. And they like, somebody even said, oh my gosh, it's like you're having a hidden immunity. Uh, you know, I'm like, all right, you can put it that way. It, it was weird rewatching some of the clips because it was clearly that like people didn't, it was like their first time meeting someone who was from another country, let alone like a Latina or like a Brazilian person, uh, yeah. just seeing like certain people on the show. Yeah, and I, you see me being mocked. <laughs> yeah. You know, you see me being mocked and people trying to talk with my accent. With the and that was very <laughs> frustrating to watch for me personally. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and also I definitely think that it's like, you're playing a social strategic game in a language that's not your native language. Like if this was in Portuguese, I feel like you would be like in a different headspace. You wouldn't have to like be second guessing what you're saying sometimes. And obviously you're very fluent in English. Uh, but not like, more it, so, not back then. I don't think my English was as good as it is now. No, and definitely that's uh, very valid. But I think it's also like, they don't understand what you also have to do. You have to like, you're trying to, you're playing a game. You don't want to like, walk on eggshells around people so you have to make sure you're saying the right thing in strategy conversations but it's not your native language so sometimes you have to like play the game as like this is how i would say it in portuguese what are like these words that like are kind of similar in english and that's just a small little detail that most people don't have to consider and i think nowadays the shows are casting more esl speakers like i'm going to be talking to lirsa as well but oh. nasir a couple seasons ago but I hope that's like something we continue to see and like yeah, give I more advantages. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's really cool that they are casting more ESL speakers. I mean, I went to ESL. I had to go, hey, honey, from the bottom, now we're here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can I ask uh, how, uh, well, you've mentioned a couple of disconnects you felt uh, because of like your background on the show. Um, but did you ever feel a disconnect between like crew members when you were trying to like maybe give confessionals or say something or even Jeff Prost like talking about that scene where he talks about the cultural differences and I think 
that you know the crew members and the like they can't really talk to you like while yeah. we are on the on, on on the you know like on the the, the camp um they can't like they can't like you can't have conversations with them yeah. they're very well trained because they don't want to build any sort like they want to make the the game very pure so the only kind of questions that they ask you, uh, you know, are, are, are things that are happening at camp and things that they, information that they get from other castaways too. And they're writing everything that's happening on, 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 on the island. And that's the information that's passed on to, to Jeff. Yeah. And I think that Jeff, in certain ways, when he was asking, you know, do you think it's cultural? I think that he was kind of trying to help me, in yeah. way, you know? And then I think that, that people just really didn't understand me. They didn't want me there. And I was really just, you know, fighting. There was this one producer that he called me a word that was really interesting that I didn't know what it meant. But basically it's like, uh, what was the word that he used? Not slippery. Um, it was like, when you're really fighting and you're almost like with your nails on the, on, 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 on you know, like, you're gripping just to yeah. survive. Like, like they a can't... cat with nine lives sort of thing. Like you're just trying to, or no, like a, uh, you're tenacious. Tenacious, yeah, and, and 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 slippery. Like they're trying to get rid of you, but you always find a way. Kind yeah. Of. Like there was a word that he used, and I didn't really understand the word, and he kind of explained to me as being that way. Yeah. Well, if I can just think, uh, I think Jeff was a fan of you, just based on the fact, like. I think, I think he, he wanted me to win Philippines. I think it really I think that would have been an incredible story. And I maintain yeah. that everyone in the final four of that season made a mistake voting you out. Are you uh, kidding me? It was so goddamn obvious. It was and I still and think I you would have won if you were in the final three. Now I think that might be uh like people on like who were watching at the time might have been confused, but you had two jury votes at the time already. You just needed two more. And I think Penner really liked you based on like the Ponderosa clips that I was watching, he seemed to be a fan of you. Peter would have voted for me. Artists. Artists. Who else? I think I would have gotten the vote for. Um, I was his name Carter. I think Carter. Yeah, would, would and have that's four. And then if there's a tie, then you would need one more. But if if you're at the end with uh like Lisa and Scoopin, I think you would have won. I think so too. They were really mad at Lisa, and they're really mad at Scoopin. I was really playing. I'm really proud of my game. I don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> yeah, and I did a whole podcast with my friend Naomi. She has a Survivor Hot Take podcast, and I said Abby Maria is a much better player than people give her credit. She's a great Thank character, you. but I think I looked at your two games, and I looked at all these small things that people might overlook. They just remember you as Abby Maria, the character, but I'm like the polarizing no. character. Yeah, yeah, but you were a fighter, and you played a natural very strong game like you you had your back up against the wall you were the first person i think to create uh advantage uh from an auction like you made up your own advantage See, and that I was like very creative credit, god damn it i give you your flowers abby thank you like and then game changers i was supposed to be on game changers and then they kind of like cut me like last minute because they didn't feel like i was a game i'm like are you fucking kidding me i am a game changer who else I mean, they put some game changers there. I'm like, okay, I'm offended. Yeah, I was offended knowing that you were on it. Like, I was offended by watching that cast, honestly. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, let's, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but uh, a couple things that I also wanted to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about the audience perception. And you touched a little bit about it. But um, did you, like, so one moment that always stood out to me was uh, when you voted out Joe. Again, you were on the right side of history. 
But I remember right. you and Kelly too, but especially you got a ton of hate like online for like voting Joe out when he was like the golden boy and you were the mean witches. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask if like you felt any of that was like you got it worse because you might have been like the Latina, you were the minority between the two girls. Hold on a second. That voted I think there's somebody. Oh, okay. It's my roommate. Oh, okay. I'm like, I think good. there's somebody trying to break into my door. No, it's just my roommate. She's a flight attendant and she just got home. Anyways, all right. It's not on video, so it's okay. We don't need to hide. Yes. It's my voice. All right. So um, going back to that, yes, I have a really good answer for you when it comes to that, but it entails a lot being business savvy and i don't think a lot of the audience understand how networks work um so at the time when i was featured on philippines and second chances i think that the majority of the viewers were you know midwesterns so i think that they are catering mostly to whoever is watching the network at the time because who is paying for that episode or for everything that's happening in the network is the advertisers so advertisers are catering to the viewers so it's uh it just takes you like understanding a bit about marketing and how business works and i am a business major so i understand that but a lot of people don't and obviously Joe was like the guy at the time yeah, for CBS. So like he and you were white American men. So that's why he was the golden boy. Just like Malcolm represents a white American man. And that's you know, mid America basically is mostly white American men and women that are watching the TV. And I do think we're in a shift culturally because I think with the pandemic, a lot more people of color found Survivor, whether it was via Netflix or via like Hulu when they were watching. And obviously the diversity initiative that they have 50% of the cast has to be uh, people of color. Now, I think that's important. I think this upcoming season, we're going to have three Latinos, which is exciting for me uh, because I don't think besides the seasons where they did the, they were looking for diversity in Cook Islands and Fiji where they had uh, 25% of the cast being Latino just for the casting purposes and the theme. I think this is the most amount of Latinos on a single season of Survivor. Uh, yeah. And that's exciting for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what? And we can't forget, like, a, about Sandra. Yes. Sandra is the, the most iconic Latina, and she's the queen, and she has won twice. And, you know, I look, I, I really look up to her and her gameplay because she owned it, and she never uh, used being Latina as a pity party or acted as being victimized and i like that because i don't want our culture to feel like oh my gosh you know because you know i i don't i don't like that like we're we're driven people we're fighters and we're just like any other culture um just trying to better our 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 family our 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 people and i love how authentically latina sandra was in all her seasons like she she played an incredible game but she also would like yell at people if they were like being wild like she like but it's like a latina mom she was working (laughs) do you remember the first time i met you in person i met you and sandra together it was like my two latina queens can i get a photo with you i remember i remember it's so funny i just had my mom visiting here and it's just like oh 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 my gosh okay i have to tell you that too that has to do (laughs) when my mom was on yeah anyways it's two different stories but you're gonna like this i told my mom and my dad and they were laughing so hard so when my mom came to visit me on Second Chances for the second time, one of the producers looked at me and he's like, 
I see where you get the villain from. I'm like, oh my God, yes. And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me that, you know, because it's just, it's just a Brazilian mom. <laughs> yeah. It's just so cultural. So I, I got to give props to Jeff. I think he was trying to help me when he said, don't you think it's just cultural? And then I think that Denise is the one that could have been a bigger person and said, yes, it was cultural. But yeah, just being with my mom here and visiting friends and family that are from Brazil here in the U.S., even I get a little bit, oh my gosh, it can be too much our culture because we are loud. Everybody talks on top of each other. And it can be very overwhelming. Yeah, I've like family Christmases. My mom and my aunt will get into an argument, and my grandma oh, will jump sure. in. And it's like it's so loud and chaotic, but it's I love it. Passionate. I love my culture. He's very passionate. Um, so you mentioned uh, that uh, Jeff. Do you think if you filmed in 2022 that the, your narrative would have been different? Um, you know, I would love to hope so um and i would love to hope that the narrative would be different but then at the same time i think that i've grown so much as a as a woman um since my first season i think i am a lot more confident now um, that i've been doing a lot of work with myself um that you know i could hopefully be able to manage my emotions better um, and play a better game. But I would hope that the other castaways would give me at least a chance. And also, to your credit, I don't believe you were a big fan of the show when you first played, right? I actually was. I don't know what oh. a lot of people think that I wasn't. I've always been a fan of the show. One thing that I don't think people understood and I think that's cultural, is that when people like ask me, are you a fan? I don't think being a fanatic in the Portuguese language has the same connotation as in the English language. Because in Brazil, we don't really like saying that we're fanatics about things, I think, culturally. Um, and and then that's how I, I, I perceived it. But here, being a fan of something, it's really positive. Yeah. So, yes, I've always been a fan of Survivor. I started watching... Um, in Sweden, the 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 Sweden Swedish uh, version of Survivor Expedition Robinson. Yes, Expedition Robinson. I started watching there because I was an au pair in Sweden before I came to the U.S. Um, so I started watching there with my family there, and I loved it. And then when I moved to the U.S. in the early 2000s, yes, I would watch it. I watched the first season, and I remember that it was huge. Um, and I would be like, wow, it must be so cool. Because, like, they were in the, in the, the cover of the magazines back in the day. Like, Richard Hatch. And then watching them, like, with one hand holding it. Like, yeah, I, I had seen Scoopin'. And then I was a huge Poverty fan. I was a huge Sandra fan. Like, I thought that Poverty played brilliantly in Micronesia. Yeah, I was a fan, but I wasn't like, oh my God, I gotta be that person, you know? Like, no. <laughs> See, I that's also interesting because I feel like in the US, saying you're a fan of something could be the most casual fan ever. And it's just like, oh yeah, I watched this, I enjoy it. But in Brazil, when you say you're a fan of something, it's like, you are a super fan. Like, yeah. so, like your favorite uh, soccer team in Brazil is like, you're a fan of it. That means you're like, bleed those colors you exactly. will like wear yeah. those skirts around yeah um, yeah but that's i think that that was cultural and i think i didn't understand yes i'm a fan of the show i love the show i think it's a phenomenal show i am like so honored and blessed and and you know wow like that's amazing especially with my story uh, especially 
that I was able to even play and go so far. But as far as like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm gonna die for poverty. No, I would never. And I would yeah, never and I think her. I love being myself. Yeah, no, and I love that you are yourself because it's authentic to you. And I love that a lot of like you showed how strong of a player you are. Because in your first season, a lot of you were like, oh, Abby would have been voted out. But I disagree because I think you had the numbers in your tribe. I think it would have been RC or Scoopin who would have been out if you lost the challenge. But I think you showed that you like can still play well on a tribe that isn't doing well. You went to almost every single Premier's Tribal Council in Cambodia and you still made it to seventh place, which is an incredible feat. Um, and I, I just hope you know that like there are fans who are so proud of you. And I, I know, I assume you're proud of yourself as well, because you're such a fighter and you like were very resilient and tenacious throughout your seasons. Very resilient, very resilient. That's for sure. Um, yeah, it's almost like, okay, like I'm remembering now the word, I think it was almost like being slippery. Like that's what the producer said that I was so slippery that they were trying, like, especially on second chances. And that's, there, there has to be another word. It was a word that I didn't know, but it kind of meant slippery. Like that I was always trying, I was always finding a way of, 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 of escaping, you know, when they were all talking about getting rid of me and then I would find a way. And I think that makes you a great survivor player. And you also got like a lot of like st stress from your fellow competitors. Like in both your seasons, people like oh, were rude to you. Some of them even yelled at you. And I was just like, oh, oh, like rewatching those clips. I was like, I think in 2022, if you rewatch this, Abby would be the hero. I think so too. Thank you, Felipe. Yeah, like that whole bracelet thing. It was just like, and how they were all mocking me and I was all by myself. And yeah, but one of my favorite things that I do love is that you own everything. Like you make so many bracelet jokes on social media and I, I love mean, that. You have to. You yeah. have to play along with the fans or else what? Like if, if I just focus on low vibration energy, like then I'll become a depressed person and, and then bad things will happen. And I don't want that to be. I want to be a happy person. I would be a source of light and I want to be with the highest vibrations of the universe because everything's energy. I, I think that's a great way to put it. And I actually transitions well to our, the next question I have. Like uh, we've talked about like the negative reception you've got, but besides myself, obviously, were there like any positive fan interactions that like make you proud of yourself and like ha as like a Latina on TV, did you get any love from the community as well? Like feeling represented besides me? Cause I know I've been a big cheerleader for you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I have a lot of positive experiences. Um, I, I have a lot of people that has, you know, found a way of mail me letters through CBS that had found a way of like, even from jail, I've had people send me letters from jail to CBS and they would just like screenshot and send it to me. And I think that that's great that you're giving somebody that's in incarcerated uh, a second chance hope in a way, you know, they're sitting there in jail, like just watching this little girl fighting, fighting, fighting her, her way, you know, and then people when they meet me in person, and they actually take the time to talk to me, they're like, Oh, my gosh. And it's so funny, because when they see me, because I'm little, I'm tiny, they're like, Oh, my God, we thought you were gonna be like this, this huge, <laughs> scary person. And yours is so little. It, it's really like, weird. like some people like I've been to some of these events, and like people on TV, they look so different in person. Like, I remember when I first met Max from uh, Survivor, I was like, oh, my God, you're so much taller than I expected. Like, not, to, like not that I expected he was too. short, but I thought he was going to be, like, my height. But he's, like, he's a tower. He's tall. Yeah, he's a tall guy. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback um, as well. You know, and a lot of people that are from uh, Latin background that just like you know dm me on social media and they're like we got you we understand you you know like yeah i do have a lot of 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 great things that have come out of it and then the opportunity that i have to actually get out on your podcast the the the, the brazilian dragon yes yes the brazilian dragon podcast and and talk about my experience and and hopefully bring light and uh you know show other latina girls that anything is possible i would love to like out you know like being a phoenix out of like the ashes uh show that anything is possible that you can build your own path and uh, beautiful things that come that can come out out of misrepresentations as well of being misunderstood and uh this actually leads me to something that i wanted to ask you about like do you feel protective of like your the people who come on later seasons i know in the pre-show we talked a little bit about indie on big brother this season but even like future Latino and Latina players that come on Survivor, do you feel protective of them and kind of like a big sister to them as they come through this experience? I do. I do feel very protective. And and one example was Karishma when she was on her season. They were trying to paint her and it was like clearly they were not understanding where she was coming from and she was feeling like an outsider. So yeah, I totally reached out to her via social media on her season because I absolutely understand I understood uh what was happening there and I love that because you were the first Brazilian on Survivor and she was the first Indian person on Survivor so it was like a nice like kind of like uh connection from different countries but you still understood each other yeah I totally Um. understood and I almost felt like a, a big survivor trailblazer big sister for sure yeah. Um, and did you want to talk a little bit about India and what you saw from the clips that you were able to watch? Uh, or Because she's the first Brazilian to be on Big Brother. Um, that is so exciting for Big Brother, huh? Because Big Brother is like so huge in Brazil. Yeah. However, very differently played too. I believe she was a fan of Big Brother Brazil. And then when she got on the show, she didn't understand the rules compared to the Brazilian rules. Um, but I haven't been watching this season super closely. Uh, but just when I saw her that she was on the cast, I was super excited about that because like Brazilian representation matters, like Latino representation matters in general. But um, yeah, I sorry, just, my phone, somebody was calling my phone and it just oh, uh, I couldn't you're good. Hear you for a second. But, but uh, yes, what did, did you see compared to your experiences that you felt was similar or like because you made a social media post that saying that from the clips you saw, you felt like she got abbied. And I wanted to ask if you could elaborate a little bit on that point. Yeah, I will elaborate on that. I got people um, directing mess- DMing me on direct messaging me on social media, and they're like, "Oh, oh, wow, Indy got abbied," or and I'm like, "What? What are you trying to say that she was an archetype or she was typecast on Big Brother?" And then the person said, "Yeah, pretty much." So I kind of saw some of her clips and it was just, you know, her being misunderstood. They really didn't understand where she was coming from, from what I saw. So I think that, you know, she was cooking and she was just trying to just build connections with people. And she wasn't able to because culturally, I don't think they understood each other or saw eye to eye. I definitely agree with that. Like there was a moment that in one of the episodes I watched where she got nominated 
and on Big Brother, that's like when you're on the edge of getting voted out. And she was like, I don't want to be touched. I kind of want to be by myself for a second. I don't want people to pity me. I just need to have my moment. And mm-hmm. the white girl who she got nominated next to was like, I will take all the hugs. And I was just like, this is like a cultural moment difference. Like you can see yeah. two people reacting very differently to the same situation. And like, I think Indy was very valid in needing that moment to herself because I don't know about you with me. I, I realize if I don't process my emotions, I need, I sometimes will like, get very hot quickly and i need to take a moment sometimes and like check myself before i can interact with people exactly and that's another thing right i think that people here really play the victim card a lot and in brazilian culture and i'll say that in portuguese nós não gostamos de ser coitadinhas no 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 gostamos we don't like being a victim like we really don't there is some pride in being Brazilian too. There is and so much when pride. I said it in Portuguese, you're like, yeah, we don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, how are you doing on time? Do you have a time to talk about scripted stuff or do you need to head out, which is? No, we can talk about some okay. scripted stuff. Because yeah. I know you're obviously are like you a reality so star. What? Are you happy so far? With how oh, I'm going? loving this. I'm having so much fun. Like this is Not so great fun. talking to you and like getting to pick your brain and like talk about these things that are important to me. And I'm so glad that like, you have so many interesting experiences to share about like your experiences. And also like, it's important to recognize that like, I do think we as an American culture have uh, evolved since 2012, which was your first season and 2015 since your last season. Um, So I do think we have made some positive strides, but it's just a conversation that needs to continue to be happening. So people can learn from like what has happened to past players on reality shows or like creatives in the industry. If you're talking about like scripted stuff. Um, And Uh, I actually wanted to ask you, like, in terms of American media, whether it's reality or scripted, do you remember the first time you were able to resonate with a story on TV or film because, like, it connected to your personal experiences as a Latino woman, as someone who's biracial, as someone who is Brazilian? Well, I can't really, I cannot really remember uh, on television, um, you know, anything that had me to, like, oh, like any TV show or any um you know movie well maybe you know a made in america with jennifer lopez yes <laughs> you know that's like a very valid representation of the immigrant latinos they come here looking for a better life you know and, and they, they have to work very hard to like get and it they and have probably... to work very hard so maybe that but <clears throat> that film maybe like kind of like makes me like oh okay i see that but honestly soccer when i see brazil playing soccer i mean i'm just so proud of being brazilian or when i listen to bossa nova at the airport you know girl from ipanema so it's almost like oh okay you know this is awesome and then now with funky it's like it's fun the Anita drums, won a grammy and yeah, uh music video just, award yeah vma sorry video music award. VMA. there was a vma yeah. yeah yeah um and then also uh I, I know you grew up with like Brazilian content. Oh, are there any movies that uh, really spoke to you as a Brazilian that you think more American audiences should see? For me, it's Central do Brasil, which is Central Station. I think Central do Brasil is great. Cidade de Deus is yes. awesome. City of God, right? City of yes. God. Um, let me think here. Oh, there are a few Disney movies. Um, you know, Rio. Love Rio, Rio, yes. It's I such love a Rio. Great, like I was like, oh my god, this is great. It's really like how it isn't real. Um, and as a kid, I think that was super important to me because I was like, uh, that, I don't remember when it came out, but I must have not been ten at the oldest when it came out. So I was like 
super excited seeing that. And then the second one was the first time I've ever seen a character with my name, like Filippi, on uh, in the movie uh, and on American TV, obviously. Yeah, and then Coco as well. Coco, Coco yes. Have you seen Encanto that... yet, Abby? I have Abby? not seen Encanto. Okay, that's one that I think you should watch. I think you would really like it, and it talks a lot about like Latino families, and it, it's Colombia, not Brazil, but I think it's incredible. Um, and it's so visually vibrant, which I think is also something that's underrated about our cultures. We love vibrant and fun colors. Yes, that's another thing that's very underrated. Uh, how colorful, how passionate, how warm um, the culture is. It's not just dramatic and, uh, you know, uh, feistiness and fiery. It's passionate. It's vibrant. It's artistic. It's full of sounds and colors. I think that that's missing on on the whole uh, American television. However, there was this fun movie with um, Penelope Cruz. She was playing a Bayana on the show. I forgot that it was shot in San Francisco, and she was making a Babaj Camaro. And it's almost like a was it Woman on Top? Woman on Top. That was fun to watch too. When she was doing like there was this whole scene that she was, you know, cooking this this shrimp dish, and it was like. That was awesome. That was a that's my dad's dish. favorite uh, dish. So it's like it's cool to see that represented in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. But on you the almost inverse, can smell the flavors through the screen. Yes, I love I love that feeling when you know like what it tastes like and like yeah. you hope that it's like at least done well. Like if it's like because on film and TV they often have like chefs behind to actually make the food and then they'll just like put it on the camera. And I hope yeah. it's like they hired a Brazilian person to make the babajica marrom. Um, to make it authentic. Mm, yummy. Yeah. Uh, inversely, do you feel like there's any harmful portrayals of Latinos and uh, our culture in American TV, whether it's like, uh, for me, something that always stands out, and I love this character, but uh, Gloria in Modern Family, I love her so much, but I also feel like sometimes it can lend into like some stereotypes of Latino women. Um, but yeah. I wanted to know if you have any examples of shows or movies that like you feel like you enjoyed the representation, but also can recognize that some of it might be like a little... Uh, one-dimensional and not truly authentic to the experience. And that's Sofia Vergara, right? Yes. Yeah, and that's so funny because a lot of people in uh, CBS, they, they compare me to the Sofia Vergara. Yeah, it's almost like a comic, characterized version of being Latina and the way she talks. Yeah, that is kind of like, it's funny, but I think it's like the comedic side of it. But we have a lot more depth than just being like a character like her, right? Um, so that's one of the things, you know, like that they were fighting for me on Token Chains. They're like, oh, she kind of looks like Sofia, a mix of Sofia Vergara and Carmen Electrica, Elect Electra. It's like, you know, they, they not all Brazilians are brown, that they were that that was one of the things that I was like listening in the background. But I think that the most dangerous thing that has happened uh, to Latinos was Trump. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's uh, the, 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 the worst thing that could have happened to America. So I think that he has divided, he has um, <clears throat> divided cultures, he has divided people, and he has put a lot of uh, fear on, on, on Latinos, the way that he was uh, promoting building a wall and, 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 and building this narrative that all immigrants were uh, people that were gangsters or 
people that had committed crimes and that they just came here just you know that they weren't the good people that were coming here what are you talking about so many people are very good people that come here looking for a better opportunity for their family and another thing that i don't think that they are representing enough is like how family oriented the latin culture is we're just looking for a better opportunity for our people for our family I 100% agree with everything you just said. And I, I think that's like something underrated as well, like the family aspect and the family oriented nature of Latino communities. And that's why I think Encanto is also like an important movie because it shows like a Latino family, but it's also not like a perfect Latino family. Um, we are, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And so it's like a very nuanced depiction of like what families are to our culture. Um, do you have anything else you would like to add? I, I uh, could keep asking you so many questions, but I also don't want to take up too much of your time if you're busy. Um, like I'm thinking here if that there's anything else that I could, uh, you know, like it's almost that I could say, it's almost like they, they, they have a, a blank canvas and they're trying to paint a story, but I think that they just, flash the paint right in that canvas i think that they should take a little bit more time and really like draw a better picture um and 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 you know maybe you know have people that come from those backgrounds uh in so that they can t tell those stories a little bit more in depth and with that perspective you know with a positive view rather than the negative connotation because everything is just a, a matter of of how it is put into context uh yeah no and i really like that description of like they they have this canvas and they use like black and white but they could shade it in like with a little bit more color in between because yeah. there's like a lot of like nuance in there a and i really like that metaphor that you use yeah um have you ever had conversations with other latinos and latinas on survivor reality tv about your experiences like i know uh when uh, they, the Black Survivor alumni group were having conversations. They had like Zoom calls talking about these experiences. And I was curious if any like uh, similar things were done for like Latina players in the past, or is it just kind of like one-on-one -on -one conversations that you might've had? No, I don't think that we've had this type of conversations, no. <laughs> yeah, and then one last question that I wanna ask you. I'm gonna take you back to 2012. We're gonna put you in that same tribal council. And now I'm gonna be Jeff. Abby, do you think it's a cultural thing? And I want to know what your response would be now that you've had 10 years to think about that conversation. And like, also, like you also know more what you would want to say and there's no cameras on you. Uh, I want to see if like, how would you respond nowadays? Like if you could like re, re put yourself back in that situation. Um, I want to tell you though, at that time, I felt the weight of representing, uh, you know, Brazilians yeah. or Latinos culturally in my shoulder. So I was really, really afraid of answering that question at the time. And at the time I was going to see, oh, like, no, but then, you know, like she was saying it was a culture of Abby, but now I like your question. Now I would absolutely say that it's definitely cultural. And I agree with you. And, and also I like that fear. Of, 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 of the weight of my in, in my on my shoulders of the whole Latin community of Brazilian because I think that they they would appreciate that answer and I also think that uh, that's why it's so important to have multiple people of uh, like different origins like uh, multiple Latino cast members on a season like um, I'm super proud of what Ricardo was able to do on his season as the only Latino 
but it's also and also super proud of what you were able to do as the only Latino on Philippines. And um, but it's like there is a sense of shared culture that makes it easier if like there's someone else in your corner to like defend you about defending your culture. So you don't right. have to feel that weight of being the only representative of your culture on a right. TV show that is going to be seen by so many people. And you are just this one person in an island who's starving and sleep deprived and dehydrated and you're super stressed and like you're beaten down and you still have to think about, oh, but I'm representing for like 6 million viewers and right. a good portion of them could be Latinos. And even those that aren't, like I still have to think about like what other people are going to say about Latino people because of little old me on this island right now. Right. And then besides that, besides being Latina, I was an immigrant. You yes. know, like first generation, I was the one that left everything that I knew to in search of better opportunities for myself and my family as well. You know, so I, I, I wasn't already living here with my parents that had gone through that experience. I was the one that had to build all of that, all of that dream. You know, I, I, I know the value of hard work. I know the value of money. I know the value of of fighting for a better life because I had to do all of that. I've been climbing ladders my whole life since I was born to just survive and be alive. So, you know, I know how that feels. And I feel like also people have this perception of like Brazilians and even you on your seasons, like, and you mentioned this in your Ponderosa. And then they even went to a confessional with Stephen Fish back at Ponderosa. And he's like, yeah, no, there was this fight between like a couple of people at Ponderosa and everyone expected Abby to be it, but Abby's just out here enjoying her pancakes. And like the fight started because like we had all this stress about like, oh, will there be drama with Abby? And no, we just started our own stress. And Abby's just out here enjoying breakfast. And having her margarita. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, that was a very tense uh, Ponderosa to rewatch both of your Ponderosa episodes. Yeah, but, how to um, solve a problem like Abby. And, and I love that, like, you walked into fireworks because you are the firecracker. You are the party. And, like, that on that season, you walked in on the fireworks because uh, it was 4th of Thank July. Thank you, Felipe. Thank you. Abby, um, I think we should wind things down right now. But I'm so grateful that you gave us an hour of your time. And I am looking forward to see what you do in the community. Is there anything that you want to promote, any social media that you have, anything that you want to share with the listeners at this time? Yeah, I am going to be participating on a fab over 40 competition. And I would love to win and represent all Latina immigrant ladies uh, of all generations and all ages. But, you know, being a woman and in her 40s, that's another huge, um, you know, achievement. And then winning and, and being able to represent um that would be awesome. So if you guys could stay tuned, I'll let everybody know on my social media when voting begins. And that will be in September 26. And you can find me on at the Abby Maria, A-B-I-M-A-R-I-A. -A -A. And the, like the one and only. As you are. And I'm excited. I hope, hope you get to talk to Indy when she gets out of the house. And one of the small little fun facts that I like is that on all these shows, every single Brazilian who has played has made the jury. So yeah, that we is, need to and win. every single Jesus. time. Did you see the other Brazilian that was on um, the Heidi Klum uh, and Tim show, the fashion show? I did not know. Oh my gosh, he was so good. He made it to the end. He was like the finalist, and I don't want to spoil it. 
and his name is Rafael. He's from Curitiba, and it's the project. Is it no, not project. Is it project Runaway? The fashion, the one that like they're finding the new global designer. Yeah, I think that's Project Runway. Project Runway. Okay, so I just don't remember the name of the show, but I watched it. I watched the whole season. I binge watched it. He's a fantastic designer. He's so brilliant, and he barely speaks English, so it's really fun to watch. I think everybody should watch that. I'm just looking at some of his outfits, and they're all incredible. They are incredible. It's almost like you are like in in the in the sapukai, you know, and it's it's beautiful. He are you gonna ask him to make you one? Are you gonna ask him to make you one? I would love that. I hope he watches this this podcast. I would love to like yeah. win Fab Forty and oh yeah, I would win a whole uh, magazine spread uh, photo shoot. So yeah, I could totally collaborate with him and yes, that would be awesome. Wearing his stuff, yeah. Share with him the podcast. Tell him that I would yes. love to wear his stuff. Yeah, no, and also uh, I will announce everything as it gets closer to the date. The first round of voting is in a couple of days, so I'll like put it out and I like I'll include a link and also in every podcast. I'll especially when it starts coming out, I'll remind the listeners to go vote for I Abby. Really and you can vote, need you guys. I really yes. need you guys. They're gonna have all these finals, all these quarterfinals, so they're gonna make it really tricky, just like how they make it on Survivor. So. And I cannot vote, so I'm really gonna need you guys to help and me. And you, that. you've been fighting from day one, and we're gonna have you. We're gonna fight alongside you because that's super an awesome achievement that I'm excited for you, and I hope you get first place. Yeah, it's, it's time for Abby Maria to win something, right? I agree, and actually, win something that you know you go and you have like a whole weekend on a spec spacation too. I think yes. it's time for me to like enjoy myself, not like fight and then try and find coconuts and. And, and, and leave out of nothing. I think it's time for me to just like chill for a second. I, I think it's time for Abby Maria to get her vacation. Does that mean that like if they called you, you wouldn't be interested in doing Survivor again? Or like, is that a complicated question? Like, is it like, um, who knows? It depends on when they would be doing on where life is at at the moment. Um, if it's like a heroes versus villains, it would be very hard for me to say no. Yeah. Um, and if it was a legend season, it would be very hard for me to say no. But I would like the season to be called Heroes versus Villains or Legends and not just a number. First. Second, <laughs> we would have to have the fucking credits. Sorry, I just cursed. Shit. <laughs> no, you're good. You can swear <laughs> on this podcast. We would have to have the credits, you know, the whole Survivor little music because that is so epic. It really is. And I feel bad. Like, uh, I had a friend on last season and I was just sad that he didn't get to experience like the opening credit stuff. Yeah, the um, opening credit is epic. That would have to be in there. Uh, the whole season would have to have a goddamn name. And, and also, my request, a final tribal council, everyone gets their own questions again. That would be awesome, too. Whoa, by the way, yes. Auction. Mr. Auction. Auction. That was like so pivotal for my gameplay. Um, then another thing that I would want is a freaking finale and then like a, a studio finale. Not a, not a on island Zoom finale. No, 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 no. It would have to be legit. Like, I, I wanna... think what you have to do next is you have to find a way to host No Limichi in Brazil or the survivor <gasps> of Brazil. Yes, yes. Be the I Jeff Probst of Brazil. Be the, I would love to be the Abby Maria Gomes of Dulimichi. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, that would be so cool and i i think i think that would be super cool to get like someone who's played the game and can relate to the contestants but also like has a producing role and like a backseat role on that actual season and like so uh because i feel like that's something that you could empathize with the players but then you also know like the tv like you know what the final product will look like and then you'll like know kind of what you're looking for as a creator. Felipe, I think I need to hire you as my manager. Do you want to have a meeting when I'm back from Tennessee? Because I'm going yes, to Tennessee absolutely. tomorrow. Let's do Let's it. Sit down. I would love to be your manager. I love how creative you are. Let's do business, man. I would love that. Yeah, no, I'm hopeful that like uh the like you get some really cool opportunities. But right now you're gonna be going on vacation tomorrow and that's the first priority. You need to relax. It's been a stressful I few do. weeks. And I work in real estate on top of it. I'm a I'm a yeah. broker. So when I joke that I came from the nothing and now I'm here, I really mean it. I I really do learn a lot from your Instagram posts about real estate. Like even just like reading everything. Like I feel like I'm a little more up to date than I normally would just because like Thank I follow you. you on that cheesy he realtor that just posts every sell that they do i think that's a little trying too hard um yeah i'll post something here and there sometimes you post interesting not... things about like yeah. interesting deals that are going on around the world not just in la yeah and then to be honest with you most of my deals are very special i like working with special properties so yeah well, Abby, again, thank you so much for joining me as the kickoff to this series. It's so exciting to have one of my favorite Survivor players of all time, someone who meant a lot to me watching you on the show. Uh, it was just incredible to get to talk to you and have this conversation. And uh, let me just tell the listeners, Abby Maria was the prophet. A lot of the people she didn't like, she didn't like for good reason. And she had a, her like Brazilian third eye. She could see the future. So at, rewatch those seasons, watch it in the lens that Abby Maria is the hero of the seasons. And I think you'll have a greater appreciation for this incredible woman that I had the pleasure of speaking to today. Hey, Felipe, I did a whole alliance with uh, Nostradamus a long time ago. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, got, you got the special seeing, seeing powers. Uh, and it's you, all mythology. You, that coconut mythology. was not an accident. I, I'm just going to, no. I hope it wasn't an accident. Hey, I wasn't named Abby Maria for nothing. You weren't. You weren't. You are the Brazilian dragon herself uh, that I stole your credits. But Abby, again, so many thank yous for doing this project with You're me. You're welcome, so darling. For I'll listeners talk. to hear your, your perspective. Um, so thank you again, Abby. Thank you for having me. And um, happy Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month, everybody. And I will grace you with my, my presence on Instagram. Friends, that was so much fun and so insightful and so grateful for Abby Maria taking her time out of her day uh, to come talk to me. I actually just got a text from Abby Maria. The word she was looking for was scrappy. She was a scrappy underdog, and that indeed she was on both her seasons. Um, but I'm so glad that she joined us, and I hope you all enjoyed this first interview. We're going to be coming back every couple of days. Up next on the agenda is going to be a conversation with Fanny Veliz Grande, who is the CEO of Avenida Productions here in L.A. And uh, she's a filmmaker, actor, creator, and uh, she is also big about empowering the storytellers of Latin origin uh, and also giving them the education for how to tell their own stories with funding and other resources. Uh, they're also about to launch their own Avenida TV platform where you can watch exclusively uh, Latin style stories. So that's going to be in a couple of days. Once again, so grateful for Abby Maria. Send her some love on social media if you're listening to this. Tag her hashtag si se puede, 
um, and at the Brazil Dragon Podcast as well. Uh, speaking of the Brazil Dragon Podcast, you can follow this podcast on all social media accounts at Brazil Dragon Pod. Now, normally we talk a lot about uh, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, kids shows such as Scooby-Doo. We have a podcast series on High School Musical and Musical Series. We're recapping as well this season, uh, Total Drama Island, but uh, also Disney Channel movies in the catalog. But this focus for this next month is going to be primarily on Si Se Puede and this conversation about Latine and Hispanic heritage and representation in American film and television. Uh, so sh- send love to Abby. Sorry, words are hard today. Send some love to Abby. And if you want to tag me as well, I'm at with the fleep on all social media or just tag the Brazilian Dragon account. If you want to get in touch with me, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Or you can email me, Felipe at BrazilianDragonPodcast.com. Now, until next time with Fanny, uh, si se puede and echa palante. Okay.